Okay, today I have the privilege of uh, speaking to us all regarding the importance of foundations, the importance of foundations. And I'm going to begin with a story that paints a really apt picture for us all. In 1845, two ships boarded by 138 of England's finest sailors set sail for the Arctic, that's the North Pole, from the British coast. Their task, they wanted to chart the Northwest Passage around the Canadian Arctic to the Pacific Ocean. The captain, Sir John Franklin, hoped that this would be the turning point in Arctic exploration. He hoped that it would be an historical um, something quite historic that would be recorded for years to come. And, and it was, history shows that it was quite historic, but not because of its success, but because of its failure. The ships never returned. Every crew member perished. And those who followed in the expedition's path to the pole learned this lesson, prepare for the journey. Because apparently Sir John Franklin didn't prepare appropriately. Though the voyage was projected to last two or three years, he carried only a 12-day supply of coal for the auxiliary steam engines. But what he lacked for in fuel, he made up for in entertainment. Sounds like the church, right? <laughs> Does. Each ship carried 1,200-volume library, a hand organ, a china place for settings for officers and men, cut glass wine goblets, and sterling silver flatware. Was the crew planning for an Arctic expedition or a Caribbean cruise? Judging from the supplies, one, have thought the one would have thought the latter. The sailors carried no special clothing to protect them against the cold. Only the uniforms of Her Majesty's fleet. Noble, respectful, but thin and inadequate. The silver knives, forks and spoons were ornate as ornate as those found in the dining rooms of the Royal Navy Officers' Clubs. They were heavy at the handles, intricately designed. Years later, some of these fine place settings would be found near a clump of frozen, cannibalized bodies. The inevitable occurred. The two ships had sailed, ill-prepared, into the frigid waters. Ice coated the deck, the spars, the rigging. The sea froze around the rudder, trapped the ships. The sailors set out to search for help. They were merely wearing their uniforms and carrying their belongings. Inuit Indians reported seeing a, group of, seeing a group dragging a wooden boat across the ice. For the next 20 years, remains of the expedition were found all over the frozen sea. The boat, or a similar one, was later discovered containing the bodies of 35 men. One other Indians discovered a tent on the ice and in it, 30 bodies. Search bodies would later find a piece of the backgammon board Lady Jane Franklin had given her husband as a farewell present. Many miles from the vessel, the skeleton of a frozen officer was discovered, still wearing the trousers and jacket of fine blue cloth edged with silk braid with sleeves bearing five buttons on each. Over, the dead, over, the, over his uniform, the dead man had worn a blue greatcoat with a black silk neckchief. That's like a handkerchief that you wear around your neck. Strange how, some, how men would embark on such a journey ill-prepared, more equipped for an afternoon tea than for the open sea in the Arctic. Strange is still how we do the same as church people, as Christians. We do the same. 
We sometimes act as if the Christian life is a retirement cruise. We have little fuel but lots of entertainment. And in fact, we choose churches that are high on entertainment. We choose friends that will entertain us rather than challenge us, don't we? We like churches and events that entertain us, but not necessarily that equip us, that give us the fuel. We are more concerned with looking snappy than being prepared. We give more thought to table settings than to surviving the journey. What do we look like on the outside? What does the church look like? What do our homes look like? What does my Facebook page look like? What does my Instagram look like? What what does it all look like? All the outside things rather than being prepared for our journey. We give little thought to the destination and preparing for where we're going. We're more concerned about other irrelevant things. And so when the freeze comes, when the storm comes, we step out with forks and games and skimpy clothing, and we pass our final days walking against the wind, often blaming God for getting us into this mess. But God is not to blame. If we sail unprepared, it's in spite of, not because of, God. He left the instructions about this voyage in his word. That's our map, and the Holy Spirit is our compass. Very powerful picture, isn't it? We like to blame God as soon as everything goes wrong, but we fail to take a step back and say, okay, Lord, what am I actually responsible for in this all? What have I not done that I need to do? And so that's why we're giving us this series on foundations, because we believe it's critical that the church has solid foundations. We as people have got to have solid foundations. I was talking to someone this past week, and she's been a Christian for a number of years. She goes to church. She doesn't come here to this church, so you, don't, you won't find her if you look around. Okay, And she knows I'm probably, she, she probably going to use her as an example, because I, I, I let her know. But she had a discussion with someone, and it literally threw her whole Christian belief into, into orbit. This person was talking about, if God is good, why, does bad thi- why do bad things happen? And um, surely all roads lead to the same God. And, you know, all of those type of questions. How, can you, how do you know that what the Bible says is really what God said? Is, you know, is the Bible infallible? All of these questions. And you know what? They're important questions to ask. But when we have been Christians for 20-odd years, one would hope that we've already secured all of those answers in our lives somewhere in the foundations. She said to me, have you not ever questioned these things? Have you not ever had a wobbly in your life where you're questioning, is God real? Is the Bible really the ultimate standard? Is there good and evil? So I said to her, yes, I did. Way back at the inception of my Christian walk, where I had to make certain decisions based on God's word that were against my feelings and popular wisdom. And so at that moment, I had to really dig deep and say, Lord, if your word is true, then it must be your word and your whole word the whole counsel of the word. And if it's not, then I want to find out now because I'm going to toss this because it's inconvenient. How many of you know being a Christian is not always convenient? It doesn't always go with the flow of everybody else's wisdom. So at that moment, I had to make a decision. Am I going to trust this? Let me figure out, let me find out, is this word something I can stand on? Is Jesus really who he says he is? Did he really die and and, and come back to life again and buy me? Is this all a fairy tale created by man to create churches to get money or whatever, you know, whatever some people think? Or is it the truth? Because if it's the truth, I'm going to build my life on it. And if it's not, I'm done with church. You see, I think most people in the church, they have one foot 
in that in case it's true and one foot over here in convenience because they don't want the inconvenience of that, but they want their fire insurance. So it's a little bit of both. And, and when you're in a little bit of both, you're going to get cut down the middle because somewhere, somehow, you're going to end up freezing when the, when the storm comes. Amen. And so I said to her, I, at that point, I wanted to find out what is true. For me, that is important. What is truth? What is truth? What are, what are absolutes? Because I want to build my life on that. If it's not real, then I don't have time for it. Okay? I'm all or nothing. And I think God likes that. You know? Oh, that we would all be all or nothing regarding the Word of God. And I said, I went to Bible school for two years while I was studying. I also did Bible school. Got some foundations. Foundations are critical. But she's going through this now, and she's asking all these questions. But that's great. I'm glad she's asking these questions. We must never poo-poo people or look down at people or tease them or laugh at them when they ask questions. Questions are important. And I said to her, you know what? With these questions, you must explore them. You must find out why, how can we stand on the word? How do we know that it's, inf- it, it, it's infallible? Did Jesus, was Jesus who he really said he was? Go and find out. Go and read certain people who've explored it, like um, Lee Strobel and so forth. Go and find out and dig your foundations down deep and, and go through the Bible and get all the foundational doctrines and Get them into your foundation. So when the storm comes and somebody comes with doctrines of demons and start and they very and you know what? Some people are very intellectual and articulate with their doctrines of demons. And they're very persuasive and you feel shaken to the core. You can go back and say, but I know because I already planted these foundations in my life. I know that this is what I stand on and this is why I believe it and this is why I don't believe what you're saying. And you can say it in the most respectable, most respectful, loving way. But we've got to be in that place, people. I think most Christians, a lot of Christians will say this, then say that. Then you hear them on radio. One Christian says this about euthanasia. One Christian says that about euthanasia. And everybody's saying different things. Why? Because no one is going back and studying what the Word of God actually says about it. It's what we think. It's, it's, it's human thinking. It's human wisdom. What we think, what, what appeals to our emotions. So we need foundations. Say, we need foundations. We need foundations. Amen. I'm glad you said that because I'm going to speak some more about foundations. Okay. Luke 14, 28 says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Which of you intending to build a tower? Which of you intending to walk the Christian life does not come to a place where you understand that if I say, Lord, I accept you as my Lord, as if I accept you as my Savior, I must also accept you as my Lord. That is going to cost me. When I pray that prayer of salvation, I know that that is going to cost me. At some point, it's going to cost me. I hope that we've all counted the cost What is the nature of foundations? What is the nature of foundations? The word foundation is is a term used in relation to buildings, as we all know. Okay? And in the Bible, we are described as God's building or God's temple or God's field. And I love that. 1 Corinthians Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Isn't that amazing? Do you not know, Tracy, that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you. Wow. 
For we are God's fellow workers, God's field, God's building. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9. We are God's fellow workers, God's field, God's building. So you, if you are born again and filled with the Spirit, you are God's temple. You are God's building. So I know we like to say, isn't it great to come into the house, to be in the house of the Lord? You know, we like to say that, don't we? But technically speaking, I am the house of the Lord. This building is not the house of the Lord. We as a body, as people joined together in relationships, are the house of God. Amen. We are the house being built together as living stones. When we come together, we are the house. It doesn't matter what building we meet in. The building is not the house of God. Amen. We are God's temple. And the Robertson, Robertson's word picture um, reference book says, The temple of God, it's a sanctuary. Not the sacred enclosure, but the holy place and the most holy place of God. And it's the same picture that's described in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9. So I don't know if you, like me, have thought, I am God's temple. Okay, maybe my body is the outer courts. You know, there's the outer courts and the periphery by the fence. And then inside there's the holy of holies, I'm sure. Maybe the holy of holies is the holy spirits. And I'm just the outer court. I don't know if you've thought, thought of the picture like that, like me. But in actual fact, that's not the case. It's when it says we are the temple of God, it means that I am a sanctuary, the holy, the holy place, the most holy place of God. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing to me. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God makes his home in us, not in temples made with hands. Hebrews 3 verse 6 says, But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of, of the hope firm to the end. It's encouraging for me to know that we are not just a building. I am not just a building, but I am called God's building. I'm called God's building. So God is very interested in my foundations. Amen. He wants this temple to stand even when the Arctic freeze hits, even when the storm hits. I love what 1 Peter 2, verse 2 to 5 says. I'm going to read it in two translations. Listen up, because I didn't give this to the guys for the overhead. In the same way that nursing infants cry for milk, you must intensely crave the pure spiritual milk of God's word. For this milk will cause you to grow into maturity, fully nourished and strong for life, especially now that you've had a taste of the goodness of the Lord and have experienced his kindness. So keep coming to him who is the living stone, capital L, capital S, that's Jesus. Keep coming to him who's the living stone, though he was rejected and discarded by men, but chosen by God and is priceless in God's sight. Come and be as living stones who are continually being assembled into a sanctuary for God. For now you serve as holy priests, offering up spiritual sacrifices that he readily accepts through Jesus Christ. So God is building us together as living stones with Christ as the cornerstone. And as we come together like we did this morning, as we sing worships, we're serving worship, we're serving as holy priests offering spiritual sacrifices, which he readily accepts through Jesus Christ. Isn't that an awesome picture? That's an awesome picture. 
The NLT puts it this way, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you've had a taste of the Lord's kindness. You're coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people but chosen by God for great honor. So if you're rejected by people, don't worry, you're in good company. Jesus was chosen by God but rejected by people. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What is more, you are as holy priests through the mediation of Jesus Christ. You offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. So I am his temple and I'm also a living stone that he's building together. And this is really important as we grow as Christians, as we're wanting to be fully secure and solid on the foundation, which is Jesus. It's important that I don't think I'm a living stone and I can be apart from the other living stones. Because God doesn't build his temple like that. So this whole idea of I'm a Christian who's one out, I don't need church. I don't like church because I like Jesus, but I don't like his Christians. So I don't go to church because I don't like their leaders either, because they're not like the Christ that I know. Well, guess what? You can't separate yourself from the church because that's how God builds. He didn't choose to build because his church is perfect, because it's not. He didn't choose to build with leaders because they're not perfect either. No, I'm not perfect. But that's what he's chosen. We're living stones that he's fitting together, and we have to go by his pattern. I love what the Life Application Study Bible says. It's, uh, it talks about how this whole thing of building on the solid foundation and, and checking our foundations and building on the solid rock, building on Christ in our own personal lives is important. But it's also important when we talk about ministry. And it, and it mentions how in these scriptures in Corinthians, Paul is actually talking about ministry and how you build church. And so it says, what do we do to build others up? What do we do when we ministering? Do we build on Christ as the foundation? Do we build with perishable materials? The Corinthians could construct their church, the temple of God, the building of God, with lasting eternal teaching or with changing temporary wisdom of the day. As the church, we can't construct our churches with changing temporary wisdom. Human wisdom that we think will win people. We think it'll grow our church. No, we can't construct our churches like that. We have to construct it on the foundation, which is the word of God. Paul's words challenge our methods of discipleship. When I disciple, am I attaching others to myself as the foundation or to Christ as the foundation? When we preach, are we preaching to draw people? When I prophesy, when you do what you do as ministry to the Lord, are you doing it to draw people and attach people to you? That is not a good foundation. Christ is the only foundation. We need to use our abilities and spiritual gifts to build up others in the church and to point them to Christ so that people can, be build, can build their lives on Christ who is the only rock. Do we use Bible-based teaching or merely adaptations of worldly wisdom that will tickle people's ears and grow our numbers of people sitting in pews? God is not interested in numbers sitting in pews. God is interested in the discipleship level of the people because God wants the fivefold ministry to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. We can't equip, we're not equipping people when you just warm our pews. Amen. We're not helping you if we just tickle your ears and give you a motivation talk, but there's no substance. You're not building it on the word of God. 
Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So I'm wanting you to leave today thinking about this, singing, Lord, what foundations am I building on in my personal life as a temple of the Holy Spirit, in my marriage, in my family, my parenting, in my work or my business? What foundations am I building on? In my ministry and what I do to minister to others. And you know what? Every single person here is a minister. When you encourage someone, you're ministering to them. When you give someone a word, you're ministering to them. When you help someone, whatever we do, it's a form of ministry. It's a form of worship unto God. Am I building it on the solid rock, which is Jesus? Because if I do that, the Lord is building the house, and the Lord will build the house because it's built on him. If I'm building on my own wisdom and what I think is great, I'm not building on the rock. The Lord is not going to help me build it because it says here in Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. I don't want to labor in vain. Amen. I'm sure you don't either. Okay. So in my business, if I am not integrous, if I take a few bribes, do a few things underhanded here and there, am I building on the rock? No, I'm not, am I? Is the Lord going to build that? No. Okay, we need to build on the rock. In my personal life, I was thinking about it this week, Lord, in my daily routine, in my use of time, how am I digging foundations and setting certain things in place so when things get even more busy in my life, I'll be able to stand and withstand it? So we can also look at things like my use of time, my use of finances. Is it built on the rock? Is it going to stand when the storm hits? Okay. B, buildings are only as strong as their foundations. A foundation is something that is put in place first before the building is built. Yet many of us as Christians, we want to build our building and then check our foundations. Amen. We want to see the ministry. We want to get that YouTube channel. We want to be on TV. We want to write those books. We want to get that bank account that's really big, whatever it is that's in your heart. We want to see that fruit right now, yesterday. We want to see that massive skyscraper of a whatever we want. But we're not so concerned about the foundations. And often what happens, I think, is that we build, 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 build. And then afterwards it's like, oh, leaning tower of Pisa, oh. We've got to make lots of adjustments because the foundations weren't okay. And I've actually prayed and I've said, Lord, you know, may my gifting never exceed my character. I've prayed that prayer. I don't want to be one of those lights. You know, Jason Upton sings that song, Dying Star, where he paints this picture of the star that shoots into the sky. The night sky is shining so brightly. It looks amazing, but it fizzles out and dies. I don't want to do that. I think many people, and I'm not saying this, of, I'm not thinking of anyone in particular, any minister of the gospel, any big name minister that we watch, but I think sometimes there's certain character flaws that we don't deal with. There's certain foundations that are hidden that we think we can get away with not dealing with when we're small, but as that skyscraper gets bigger and bigger and bigger, it's a fuse line that the enemy just lights, and the whole thing come crashing, comes crashing down. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be a statistics. I'm in here for the long haul. Life is a marathon. Amen. I want to have a foundation that lasts. Okay. Sometimes as Christians, we build our lives in the wrong order. Fortunately, by God's grace, we can go back and fix it. But we've got to remember our foundations. We've got to remember that seasons of hiddenness are good. 
If you're in a season of hiddenness, relish it. Dig your foundations down deep. Put them down even deeper because you know the deeper your foundations, the more God is going to build upwards. And you know what? God can build upwards in a day. He restored the temple, chop, chop, three days, and it took them how many years to build? God doesn't, it suddenly can happen with God, but it's not going to happen and last if our foundations aren't there. Amen. See, a foundation is actively placed, but hidden from public view. How active are you in placing your foundations? How active are you? How intentional are you and I about ensuring that we're sticking in our foundations? We're sticking concrete in there. We're digging until we hit rock because we have to be active. The word in the Bible for foundation speaks of something that is put down as the substructure of a building. This is significant because even though it is unseen, it is critically important. And it's derived from a word which means to place. It's an active word, right? To place, to set, to ordain, to purpose, to conceive. Those are all active words. Those are all intentional words. We have to be intentional about our foundations. It's not just, oh, well, I just go to church and whatever the pastor preaches, I'll just listen to. Oh, well, let's see what I feel like this Sunday, that church, maybe a bit of grace, I'll go to this church. Oh, this Sunday, I feel like good worship, I'll go to that church. Oh, this Sunday, I feel like this. No, it's not just haphazard any old thing it's important you go to the set you get plugged into a church you built into a church you're part of that you're in relationship yes you come regularly you catch up the messages lord have mercy on me i haven't always caught up the messages but anyway you catch up the messages that you missed okay and more than that it, you, you you're in the word during the day in during the week for yourself amen you check you're sticking sinking down your own foundations it's not someone else's responsibility it's not your cell group leader it's not your pastor's responsibility it's our responsibility you got that right a solid foundation d a solid foundation can be costly to build properly it's costly sometimes it's painful Sometimes it requires a bit of digging. It requires a bit of getting out some of those rocks in the way, those rocks of unbelief, those rocks where we've believed the wrong things, okay? That lifestyle issue, that sin issue, it requires digging and removing stuff before you can pour in the concrete, okay? Luke 14, it's the scripture I read at the beginning, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple, for which of you intending to build a huge tower does not sit down at first and count the cost, whether there's enough to finish it, lest after he's laid the foundation is not able to finish and all who see will begin to mock him and say, this man began to build but was not able to finish. May that not be our portion where because our foundations are inadequate, the Lord can build to a certain height, but he cannot build anymore because he's afraid that if he puts any more weight on us, everything will topple down. See, that's also the reality. God, God is a kind God. God is not harsh. The God that I know, he's been very gentle with me. Yes, there have been very difficult situations that I've gone through. But even in challenging and hard and painful situations, God has still been kind. And God is kind, and I think when he looks at us and he sees, okay, your foundation is up to this level. It's not quite on the rock is not quite as deep as it needs to be for me to fulfill my calling in your life. 
to the fullness. So I'm going to just build up to second story level because I know your foundations can handle that. And when you sink your foundations a bit deeper, this is what the Lord's saying, thinking about you or saying to you, when you sink your foundations a bit leap deeper, I can entrust you with more. See, some of us are waiting for the breakthrough for our ministry or our business or our finances or our something to take off, but God's waiting on us. He's saying, you know what, sister, you know what, little one, you know what? I can't put any, any more weight on you. You've got to dig your foundations a bit deeper. Then I can put more weight on you. Who is our foundation? Jesus is the only sure foundation. Jesus must be the center of our lives. Jesus is who we build around. You don't build around me, my husband, and this church. We don't build around people in our family. We don't want to build around what we think. We want to build around, well, this is what the Word says. This is what Jesus says. This is, these are Jesus' principles. Jesus is the rock. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9 to 11. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. This is Paul speaking about the church. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He's the foundation. He's the rock that we to build on. This church is his church. Go churches are his churches. They're built on Jesus, or they should be. We want them to be. Amen. Acts 4, verse 11 to 12. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other. No, all roads do not lead to the same God. Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Amen. Foundations are important. Jesus was the cornerstone, and yet he was rejected. Foundations are important, but they can be rejected or neglected. We can reject foundations or neglect them. They're so important. We have to dig our foundations, sink our foundations, check our foundations intentionally and purposefully. B, the foundation of Christ is, lay, is laid and is based upon our hearing and doing what he says. You see, it's very easy to listen to the Word of God. Amen. It's very easy for me to come and sit myself down there and have my phone out and take notes, but be distracted like it's going in through my ears, out through my thumb, and I'm taking notes on my phone, but my head is completely elsewhere, and I walk out of here, and I've got the notes, but I can't really remember what was said, and I don't apply it. That's not what this is talking about. We have to hear and do what the Word says. You know, there's so many situations that we are counseling now. The foundations are not there in one of the parties or both of the parties. That is the main thing. And a lot of issues can be sorted out pre-coming to counseling if people just built their lives on what the Word says. Amen. People just submitted their lives and chose to live their lives according to the manual which God has given us for life will save a lot of heartache and pain and a lot of counseling hours too, <laughs> okay? Because I've got to let my husband go and counsel for hours, okay? So I, we miss him, okay? So people, just build your lives on what the Bible says, okay? <laughs> okay? But this is seen in Matthew and in Luke, okay? Where two builders are contrasted. One was a builder who um, heard the word only and one heard and did what was said, 
Um, Matthew 7 puts it this way, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of, main and, m- sayings of mine, that's Jesus talking, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. How many of you want to be wise women or wise men? Okay, can I give you the key? The million dollar key. Build, build your house on the rock, i.e. do what Jesus says. That's your key. You will be wise. Okay. Whoever, everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does them, everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. How many of you would say that you are Actually, don't put up your hand, but you can put up your hand and your heart. How many of you do what you know you should do according to the word? How, sorry, how many of you don't do? Just close your eyes and put up your hand. Because the Bible says that if you've closed your eyes and put up your hand and your heart, that you are foolish, that I am foolish. So we want to be wise men and women. Luke 6 verse 48 in the King James Version, it says this, that the man who did the sayings of Jesus was like a man who built an, built an house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the foundation arose, the stream beat vehemently on that house and could not shake it for it was founded upon a rock. That's the King James Version. And the reference book that I was, I was using basically talked about in the Greek that laid a foundation. The whole point was that the wise builder dug and dug and dug until he struck rock before he laid the foundation. You see, I think in our understanding of principles of the Word of God, we've got to dig and dig and dig until we struck, struck, strike rock We strike something that cannot be moved. So if you know you have questions regarding the validity of the word of God, dig and dig and dig until you strike rock because you got to build your life on something. Amen. You can't just come to church and hear the word and you feel fine and you build your life sort of around it, but you don't know for sure that it's solid rock. You don't know for sure that Jesus, who he claimed he was, you go and you dig and dig and dig until you know like you know, and you've figured it out for yourself. You've got the evidence. You've struck rock. Whatever it is that you struggle with, you dig and dig and dig until you strike rock, and that's where you build your foundation. I can't build my foundation upon my husband's revelation that he knows like he knows like he knows. I've got to build my foundation on the Word of God, and I've got to dig and dig and dig until I strike rock, and that thing is immovable. There I build my foundation. And I'm responsible for that. He's not responsible for that. Okay? Examples that we see currently, we see in in the church, our church, other churches, we see unmarried couples living together, and they think that they will get breakthrough. They think that they can pray and ask God for breakthrough and ask God to bless them and this and that and that and that and that. You know what? One day when you get married, your marriage is not founded upon the rock. Okay, there are all sorts of issues that you're going to have to deal with because you didn't do it according to the word of God. Now, if you did it that way and you've repented and you're married and you're living together, you know what? God is merciful, but there's still consequences. There's still consequences. There will still be issues. If you had sex before you got married, which is contrary to the word of God, the the word of God calls it fornicating. Guess what? God forgives you. He restores you. You'll have a great marriage, but you'll still have consequences to deal with in your marriage. 
There'll still be issues that you'll have to face in your marriage. Amen. You see, when we build according to the Word of God, it saves us from all of those consequences, which are time wasters, which are energy wasters. Amen. We don't need all those things. Okay? It's, it, it, it also, we see it where we take portions of the Bible and we leave the other portions. It's like saying, this is the, the Word, the rock, but I'm only taking this portion because that portion offends me. So, are you God now? Are you, are you God? Do you determine what is, out, what is the ultimate standard and what, what is not? Because that's what you're saying. That is, that is very prideful. Either God's word is true, all of it, or it's not. But we can't say, no, as the church, we, we accept this, but we reject that of the word of God. Okay? It's, it's all or nothing. Okay? How are foundations established in our lives? Our foundations are established by the teaching we have received by the teaching we have received. Now, if you've been in a church or maybe you've been in our church and you don't have grounding and foundational doctrine, come to us, ask us. Say, you know what, can you give me a rebuild booklet? Can you give me teaching on this? Who would you recommend that I can become grounded in this or that or that? And it's important, but we must take responsibility for it. Many people become Christians but are not grounded in foundational doctrine. It's important. You know, we all like these wonderful revelations that we hear. Oh, there's this revelation. Oh, that's so juicy. Oh, there's this revelation. But we can't build our lives on revelations. We have to build our lives on foundations. Those other things are wonderful. They're wonderful. They're the pictures we can hang on the walls. They're the rooms that we can enter and enjoy, but they're not the foundations that we build our lives on. And too many of us like to visit these rooms. They make you feel good. They tickle your ears. Ooh, it's so juicy. Ooh, that's wonderful. I've never seen that scripture like that. That's so amazing. This is a key for this and this and this and my 24-hour miracle, whatever it is, okay? But when we build our lives in those rooms, when the storm hits, it's going to come, that building will come crashing down. Hebrews 6 verse 1 to 2 says, Therefore, leaving the, ele- the, the discussion of elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. So he's assuming that you were there. He's assuming that we've been discussing the elementary principles of Christ. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of dead and eternal judgment. So what is he saying? He's saying, let's, let's leave that discussion and move on. We've got to move on. You see, most of the church is moving on, but they haven't started where they've needed to start. So they can't really move on because they've got no foundations to build on but you know what we want to have our foundations and then move on so we can we can grow up in them and and grow into the fullness of Christ amen turn to your neighbor and say it's time to build and time to move on yeah okay b our foundations are established by how listen to this by how we are connected to the body of Christ you can turn to your neighbor and say you are not an island Turn to your other neighbor and say, I'm not an island. Our foundations are established by how we are connected to the body of Christ. Whether you like church or whether you don't, guess what? It's God's idea. And God's idea trumps your idea and my idea. And God's idea, it's still going to stand even though it's imperfect. 
God didn't say to go and find a church that's perfect, that treats you the way you think you should be treated, and join that church. And even if you found that church, you know what I'm going to say. When you join, it won't be perfect anymore. <laughs> okay? Because you're there. Okay? And you're imperfect. Okay? Church is God's idea. And guess what? I've also been a season of being, been through a season of being hurt by church leaders. I've also been through a season of false accusation in church. I've also been through a season of feeling taken for granted. I've also been through a season where I didn't particularly like church. But guess what? Church is not my idea. Church is God's idea. And it's going to stand. And God loves his church. God loves us. And none of us are perfect. So we have to be connected in the body of Christ. We have to find a church and join it and be a part of it and make the best of it. Amen. And guess what? God will honor that and we will grow. Ephesians 2 verse 20 to 22. And having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Being built together. That talks about being built together relationally. Not being built together where you come and sit next to someone that you don't even know on Sundays and book out because you're hungry straight after the service. Okay? You still don't know their name. Okay? Being built together relationally. That's why go groups are so important for us. That's why serving in church or serving on a team in the church is so important because we get built together relationally. Okay. I've got a few things that I've, I, I, I was thinking about foundations and I was thinking, okay, let me just give you a little, a quick list of some things that you can think through as you leave here. A quick check on some foundations. Like I've mentioned before, like I have mentioned earlier, the Bible. What do you believe about the Bible? Do you believe that the Holy Spirit guided human authors so that they wrote in Scripture what God said without error? Do you believe that the Bible is realized in our lives, the value of the Bible is realized as we apply it? Are you really sure about the validity of the Bible? If not, you need to be because that's what we build our life around. Amen. God, are you sure about your view of God? How do you view God? It's going to impact the way I live my life. Okay? God is defined as a spirit, a person, life, self-existent, unchanging, unlimited by time and space. God consistently works out his eternal plan by guiding and overseeing all things according to his purpose. What do you believe about God and why? Is that secure? Is that fastened? Is that strong? Is that sure? Christ, what do you believe about Jesus? What is solid about Jesus in your life? Do you believe that Jesus was in fact God incarnate in human form? That he's the second person of the Trinity who came to live among us, that he died, that he rose again, and that he bought our salvation, that we can live with him forever. The Holy Spirit, do you believe the Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity? That he's a person, he's not a force, he's not an it, you know? Do you believe he has the attributes and personality of God? Do you believe that it's the Holy Spirit's work who brings us to Christ and salvation, equips us for ministry, empowers us for service, etc., etc.? People, what do you believe about people? I was talking to a particular lady the other day, and she was saying, yo, a friend was saying people are no different from animals. But the person who's saying that people are no different from animals is a Christian. I'm like, she's a Christian. So does she believe, does she believe in evolution? 
See, we have to understand what we believe because if I believe that people are no different from animals, the Bible says that God created man in his image and the image of man he created the male and female. I'm made in the image of God. Animals are not. That's why it's not a sin to euthanize an animal, but it's a sin to euthanize a person. That's why it's not murder to kill an animal. I'm not, I, I'm not pro-killing animals, but you know, if an animal is sick and dying and 15 years old and can't take care of itself, you can euthanize it. If a person is 70 years old and sick, you can't euthanize a person. That's murder. There's a difference. But these ideas have consequences. These things are the top of the skyscraper of the of the ideas underneath in the foundation. That's why the ideas are so important. What do we believe about people? You know, Do we believe that man is good inherently or sinful? Because if man is good, he has no need of a savior. There's no need for Jesus. Do you understand? Man is not inherently good. Man is inherently sinful. Okay? Salvation. What do you believe about salvation? About what Christ did on the cross? The church. What do you, what do you believe about that? What is the church for? Whose idea is it? Why do we go to church on Sundays? Have you thought about that? What would you say if someone asked you that? These are questions we need to have solid foundations, not just, oh, well, I go to church because my parents went to church, or I go to church because it makes me feel good, or I go to church because it's my motivational talk for the rest of the week. Well, what happens if you feel like you don't need emotional motivational talk anymore? Then do you not go? Do you understand? Okay, the church, what is it for? Ecclesia, called out ones. What is it about? It's established for worship, instruction, fellowship, evangelism. Are your beliefs regarding these things based on what the Bible teaches or on popular opinion? On popular Christian opinion, which sometimes isn't according to the Bible. Newsflash? Okay. Can we see the fruit and lifestyle of your beliefs if we look at your life, secret and public? Secret and public. <laughs> okay. I wanted to ask you one question before I carry on. If there was one thing you had to change in your daily routine and lifestyle so that it would reflect who you proclaim, who you claim to be, what would it be? What would be the one adjustment you would make? You can think about that. Okay, our foundations are established by our obedience to God's word. Luke 6 verse 49, I read it earlier, but he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. He who heard and did nothing. Guess what? We have a number of these foolish people who come to church. Maybe they most faithfully come to church. Maybe they even serve in teams. Maybe they even lead but the Bible says, he who hears and does nothing is like a man who builds a house without a foundation, and the ruin of that house will be great one day. I'm not prophesying it. I'm just saying what the Word says. I don't want to be that house. I don't want any of our people to be those houses. We want our people to be sure and strong, and God be able to build massive skyscrapers in your lives. And that's why we're teaching about foundations. How are you doing today with hearing and doing? Think of the messages, the scriptures, the biblical principles that you've been challenged by. How are you doing? Have you effected change in response to what you've heard? Or have you just let it go in your ears and maybe into your notes? Our foundations are established by our freedom from spiritual deception. And you know what? In order to be free from spiritual deception, I've got to know the truth. The truth keeps me free. 
Colossians 2 verse 6 to 8. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Powerful scripture. Okay. Why do we need foundations? We need foundations because only God's foundation stands forever. Only God's foundation. 2 Timothy 2 verse 19, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows who are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Only the foundation that is God's foundation stands B, and this is evident from what, what, we've been, what I've been sharing, we need God's foundations to withstand the storms of life. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and, to, and, and dug until he hit rock, and he laid his foundation there. And when the flood rose, the stream beat vehemently against that house, and it could not be shaken. I want to be that house. I'm sure you do too. I'm going to read a few scriptures as I, draw, as I draw to a close. Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3 in the Amplified. Just let these words wash over you. Blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable is the man who walks and lives, not in the, not in the counsel of the ungodly, following their advice, their plans, and their purposes, nor stands submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down to relax and rest where the scornful and mockers gather. But his delight and desire are in the law of the Lord, and in his law, the precepts, the instructions, the teachings of God, he habitually meditates and ponders and studies by day and by night. He shall be like a tree firmly planted and tended by the streams of water, ready to bring forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf shall not fade nor wither, and everything he does shall prosper and come to maturity. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in a wilderness and a salt land which is not inhabited. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. I want to be like that tree. Proverbs 3, verse 1 to 2, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. We need God's foundation so that we're not easily moved. Proverbs 10 verse 25, when the whirlwind passes by, the wicked is no more, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. We need God's foundations because what, only what endures is rewarded. Ultimately, when I get to heaven, what endures will be rewarded. 1 Corinthians 3, 12 to 14. If anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it. It will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. 
So after all of this, why do we resist laying proper foundations? Why do we resist this? I think we resist it because building without a foundation is easier. We think building without a foundation doesn't require obedience. We think we can get the blessings without the cost. Building without a foundation is less painful because we don't have to dig deep. We don't have to remove those big rocks, those things in the way of our foundations. Building without a foundation appears quicker, and you can appear to reach your goals sooner. But we know that that's not the truth. Building without a foundation is cheaper, at least at first, until the house fall down, falls down. Okay. Building without a foundation ends up being more expensive because at some point the house is going to fall. The building will fall. It will collapse and it will have to be rebuilt. It is cheaper to build properly the first time than have to rebuild it over and over again. Amen. Okay. I just want to encourage us, you know, some people can think, well, I'm still about my foundations. I don't see that thing that God promised me. You know, he promised me that word and it's still tarrying and I still don't even see the first, the first layer of bricks. You know what? It's okay. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3, there is a season, a time appointed for everything and a time for every delight and event and purpose, whoops, under heaven. There is a season for everything under heaven. So there is a season for me to fulfill God's calling, and there is a season for me to build the foundations. Maybe right now you're in a season of hiddenness. You're in a season of hiddenness, and John 15 says, I am the true vine. This is Jesus. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Maybe there's a level of foundation in your life, but you're at a time where God is saying, you know what? I need to prune you a bit. We need to check that foundation. We need to enlarge your foundations a bit before I can bring more fruit. And those seasons are good and those seasons are appointed by God. And just because you're in that season, it doesn't mean he's departed. He's forgotten what he promised because he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. We've got to abide in him. We've got to trust him whatever season we're in and continue to look at our foundations and dig our foundations down deep. Amen. Okay, thanks, St. Paul. So I want to ask you three questions as I finish, as I land. Do you have a solid understanding of foundational Christian doctrine? Do you have that according to Hebrews 6 verse 1 to do? How, is your, how are your foundations? Are they rock, rock solid? And if not, come and speak to us. Make sure you download all the messages that we're doing in this foundational series. Get your foundations solid. Talk about them. Join a go group and talk about it in a go group. What are some of the gaps and cracks you can see in your life? Where do you need to make some adjustments? I want to encourage you to look at it, not to forget about it, but to look at it this week and begin to purpose, to change and to build in certain areas. What are you going to do differently? What are you going to do differently? Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you for your word, which has gone forth today. We thank you, Lord God, that you, you love to build. You love for us to bear fruit. You love to um, be glorified in and through us. That you love that, Lord God. You love your people. You love your church. And we bring ourselves before you this morning. And we ask, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you take your light and shine it in our foundations? 
Would you take your light and show us where we need to fill in the gaps and cracks, maybe where we need to remove some rocks, some boulders, and dig a bit more? Maybe where we haven't fully founded our foundations on the rock-solid revelation of Jesus and everything that is Jesus. Pray that you would show us and you would help us, Lord God, to come out of this season solid Christians, wise men and women with our lives and our ministries and, and everything we do built upon the rock who is Jesus, built upon sure and sound foundations. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Hey, E-Family, online family, that was a great message, wasn't it? We really want to fill the globe with all this teaching. Our passion is to raise leaders and release reformers. So if you want to tap into more of these teachings, you can go to www.gochurch.co.za. And I think you'll really be refreshed and reformed as you go through our materials. Well, if you enjoyed that message, click subscribe and also share with your friends, with your enemies. Don't forget, we've got the live feed that takes place 9.30 every Sunday morning.